0: Recorded live in Manhattan's East Village at St. Mark's Church in the Bowery, this is The Poetry Project.
1: Um, Thanks so much for being here tonight for Todd Colby, Adam Fitzgerald, and Vincent Katz. Um, A very special triple bill. And also, um, I want to tell you as always about upcoming events, and also to just kind of comment on how terrific. I was just looking at the calendar which I, you know, I know the calendar, but I looked at the calendar just now and realized that these are all terrific readings through the end of November. So please try and make it to the project on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. All terrific things going on. Um, this Friday, there's a Senyal series celebration. So this is a bilingual collaboration um, between BOM, Libros, Antenna, and Ugly Duckling, which is like pretty great. Um, so Luis Felipe Fabre with translations by John Plucker, Stalina Emmanuel Villarreal reading Sor Juana, Pablo Kachan- Kachangian with Rebecca Smith and Florencia Castellano. So that's a big reading, it's a great group reading with a very special publication involved. Um, on Monday Anais Duplain and Loma will be here. Um, these are both great, great new poets and great new books. Um, on Wednesday next, Garrett Caples and Win will be here. So it's you know good. It's a good week. Um, come, come to one of these things. Um, I also want to acknowledge that today we lost David Anton. Um, David Anton was um, I, he was the first. I, it was the first reading I curated at the project in December 2014. We were so thrilled that he came from California to do that reading here with us. And I, my baby was seven weeks old, and I was in the back, keeping my eyes open like this. And it was just like such a special treat, um, and what a terrible loss. Thank
2: you. Um, Welcome everybody. Um, I think everybody knows I'm Stacy Samazik, the director here. Um, I just wanted to say a few words that, um, and probably everybody knows, but in case you don't, as of September, the Poetry Project turned 50. Woo! I know. Woo! Totally improbable. Um, and we're going to be uh, spend the next year and a half celebrating that fact. Um, so this is at the very beginning, and um, we're gonna have a plat- platform of anniversary events uh, called Giant Night, and the next two are coming up in very soon in November. The first one is Redefining Downtown on the 9th, and the second one is Artist Love Poets on the 11th, and we printed a very special uh, 50th anniversary artist portfolio uh, limited edition for that event, and I just encourage everyone to get this newsletter because there's so much information about those events in here and a special ad. Um, And you can also check our website, poetryproject.org. We'll also be doing other things like some fundraising. We'll have a gala in April 27th that is celebrating the half century of our existence as well as poet Anne Waldman. and I just wanna say that to everybody, I'll be kind of at readings getting up and saying to everybody in the room, it's a great time for Poetry Project lovers and supporters to use this time of celebration to express your support of the Poetry Project. And as we say in the biz, in whatever way is meaningful for you, um, whether that's becoming a member or making a donation or subscribing to the newsletter or just going online and reading, Insane Podium, which is a great short history of the Poetry Project and you know, learning about the project a little bit more in depth. Um, so something like that, or even like telling a staff member that you appreciated something that they did, something like that. Um, that's my message for this evening. Um, so I'm super excited about this reading and I believe um, Adam, you're reading first and you have a guest introducer.
0: Emily Skillings. Please welcome Emily. (laughs) Hi, I'm so excited for this incredible lineup of readers tonight, and I'm here to talk about my dear friend, Adam. It's true, Adam Fitzgerald is my best friend. In fact, when we were first coming to know one another, he encouraged me to write a long poem, and when I read that poem years later in this very spot and nearly fainted from nerves to the true story. He caught me very heroically and convinced me to keep reading. It's very <laughs> I like lurch toward went. Adam. It's very special to be introducing him tonight, especially here and especially right after the release of his latest book, George Washington. The first poem that I heard from this collection was in early 2014. I had just painfully exchanged a lover for a new one and his poem, The Lordly Hudson became for me the perfect accompaniment to that feeling of distrust in the ever shuffling scrolling present, the self turning over within that unshakable melancholy of what we're told is growth, progression, evolution, progress, but just feels like loss on a loop. In this book, we encounter a deep questioning of inheritances, Inheritances of whiteness and other toxic structures of power of 90s material culture, the jingles and object desires of capitalism that show up in our head without permission, the projections of our memories and all their manic turnover and scope. In George Washington, the palimpsests of the American suburban landscape, the digital dump sites of our cultural failures and obsessions, the parfaits of taste and disgust and detritus are brought to us in all their complexities. Adam's voice cuts a path for us. In the poem, Time After Time, Cindy Lopper's Lying in Bed, I Hear the Clock Tick and Think of You becomes brilliantly, I'm in the barricade, hearing the clock thickening you. The store at the mall becomes another store. The bushes become the Clintons, become the bushes, only to return to their Clinton form, now with Hillary memes. Fitzgerald writes, The language of the future may well be a pollulating glory of modern shipping trends. My takeaway is to be stationed at the fringe of a great emotional storm to live it out, but not forget along the way to live it out. This distance or removal from within, a vantage point that is one that is one that one could classify as inherently queer, a positioning at the edges in order to be able to fully critique pervasive structures while being nearly inside them, remembering to thrive, calling the self back to the present. For me as a reader, Adam's kaleidoscopic sensibility and tensile malleable way with words shake me out of limiting often harmful expectations of what poetry does. I find even being around him reshapes what words can do. I've been rereading the Poetics of Space for a course I'm about to teach and Bachelard's chapter on nests made me think of Adam's poetics. The infinite multiplications of images, memories, objects, bits, sound bites and textures form and knit a kind of object refuge for the reader. We come home to our own trimmings and histories in his work climb into a past present in which we are both present and removed, critical and continually inspired. Please welcome Adam Fitzgerald.
3: (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, That was so beautiful, Emily. And she warned me um, uh, before that there was going to be like a little inside joke in her introduction. I was kind of waiting for it. And um, and now I'm going to expose it out loud. But um, for some reason, we've always bonded over this phrase digital dump site, um, which is a well, I think it speaks for itself. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much to Simone and Stacy for making this space um, alive and beautiful as ever. And I just wanted to applaud you guys again, because thank you. Um, so I'm just going to read some poems from my new book. It's called George Washington. Um, I'm so excited to be here um, with uh, Vincent and Todd um, for this edition of Three White Men Reading. And the first poem I'm going to start with is Oregon Trail. A thief stole six oxen from your wagon. space bar to continue. You decide to rest. You lug back 88 pounds of otter meat. You have reached Blue River Crossing. Bindi has died. You have typhoid. Next landmark, 88 miles. You have exhaustion. You have fish odor syndrome. You lose three sets of relatives and 84 Sharpies. Your supplies, two oxen, no clothing, three wagon wheels. Spacebar to continue. You find a turtle shell with no turtle in it. You have herpes. You have anthrax. You have polyps. The wagon tipped over while you were womanizing. You have reached Blue River Crossing. You have family trust issues. You read We Who Are Parting. Smoke flowers blur Red River. You sleep late. You have $90,000 in outstanding college loan debt. The river flows alone, spacebar to continue. Mountains are surly and blue haired. A cloud floats from its mark. You gleam like birds. Here lies Brad Pitt. Here lies Raptor Jesus. Microsoft Word does not recognize the name Shaniqua. You have jaundice, congenital arthritis, and calyx blisters. You have no one. You wail, holler, cry, screech, and slam. You were doable in a jiff, crunch, pinch, or jot. You marry Xanax to Flonase, spacebar to continue. Your circadian rhythms are fucked. You wonder what happens to tampons in airports. You have engorged lipids. You figure out the meaning of finger bowls. You inherit the Christian science monitor. The river flows alone. Your mind goes away. Everyone in our party has left for another party. Would you like to look around? Anyone here play Oregon Trail? Ever? Okay, yeah. Well, that was our history class in elementary school. We actually went down to the computer lab, and um, Mrs. Labinsky great names, you know, names that could only exist in elementary school. Um, and we played Oregon Trail as a way to learn about that great passage of American history that I now know so much about. Um, so now thinking about the computer, um, uh, this is a poem called Big Data. <clears throat> and I'm going to drink some water. Oh, I think I've drank all my water, so I'm not going to drink some water. It's a mouthful, you'll see, you'll you'll suffer with me. Pharaonic Tar Heel Bobby Soxers cannot undo the solace that comes alone in accusative plural. Plywood dentures undulate trinal outliers. Oceanic sensibilities edify and expunge crisp fragments. Track layers shuffle. Single-breasted punchers examine malignant variscosity. As if babbiting exchange scaled wheel worn thud. Deadlock tubers, distal vocality, and clerkly hornbeak grapnels deselect dismounts. Ecclesiastes says of one crash than caliph, trug built back to loopy racemes, drownage ports contrasts, underbranch circumlocutions, liquid lunch, plum funnels, apartments gorgonian as seboritic bubs. Earl King's derby, pigeonless check cards, hyperchloric as tail blocks, intoxicate herds of kale, embody lake politics. Packed trams spuke parliaments, arable tinselly vowers hive after end. Dapapher spaniels countermarch multipliable notables round Muscovy glass. Acknowledgers likened to melodramatists. Aerial ruins, botanologers readdressing fives, dung forks scientifical by bilk, daintily unlicking reins, rag ragsotted face to face meet and greets, porous as dockyard contact sports, and a tendency almost colossus, rosacea, a campfire, sustenation, dietical. Link boy wavers, tuberculosis precomposes allotropicity. Squareen funicles endorse dark kerned airball with graver linseed aloes. Milksop engineers exercise bon mot ricochets. Yankee heel tools, semi-historical verbushaduf, fameless malar, annullers, diddle, subdeans, embroideresses. Flabile borders cancellate trapstick guiltiness akin to gasket relodgers. Kickshaw emissary ship, bigamy superstratum, Hand-washing ministress, bimotors garboarded, gents of malicious plug. Non-prescription cannery wanders in a corf, its lavic outtakes, stulty partners, extuberant workmasters. Yes, even some indecorous, sutural glum. We all know what that's about. So as Emily mentioned, a lot of the poems in this book um, are me trying to kind of go back to um, my 90s kind of childhood and adolescence and wondering why, um, you know, since my father's death and time wears on and on, and even kind of as a culture ourself, why we are so obsessed and insistent with so many of the kind of products and entertainments and references of the 90s. Um, and I, I don't think I kind of produced any answers, but I think it's... Um, So this is a poem called Here Comes the Hot Stepper and this is a a lot of the book is kind of this veiled autobiography I guess that's meaningful to me at least Um, but I remember I had a friend um, one of the first friends I had I think it was maybe six or seven years old um, because I stayed at home a lot and um, this was the first time someone had ever played me a pop song Here Comes the Hot Stepper Unlike my older brother I generally enjoyed the 90s A world of Netscape chat rooms and fruit by the foot. I remember them like the debossed covers of R.L. Stein. Neon sex toys dotting our suburban malls led us to believe in an intimacy communicated beyond brand names when our couch sucked back into a shady hole of hands. September came laden with trapper keepers. Macarinas were danced, ring pops were had. Gigapets and Beanie Babies, Dunkaroos and VHS cassettes, the little golden books by my bed told me stories. Cedar Crest and Chlorine, I remember them now like snow days, watching humanoid Bob Barker on split-screen TV, closed armoire scented with piney lemon pledge. In the woods was mesh and abandoned buckets of porn besides inscrutable rainbow tree frog corpses, Lisa's and Jessica's, Matthew's and Michael's all. Narcotic and green, a risable lump disturbed life, dizzying mallets hobbling us to a plastic farm noon. Success metrics had incomparable swish. People kept moving and threaded through one another with slogging garage door jerkiness. And most menacing... How happiness encroached with slow ultimatums, fatalistically stuck to stick resistant pans. Abundance, reversed now, feels shod, feels pocked. It could be no more than a rake in the trunk of a car. I didn't know what a locker room was for. Oh God, I hate to have to say that word. Um, locker room talk. I didn't know what a locker room was for. Friends were screen names and infinitely away. If I had to point a finger, If I had to cue a song to play out my life, if the finishing move was finality, wouldn't my sense of the 90s bring back painless simplicity in transit? Weight watchers and frozen people, linoleum not to be remembered if outlived. Afterwards, I saw what they did to the bed furniture. I knew their services weren't free, not to go there. What was taken from me is still happening. Scrubbed out, tossed out. I never cared for the dishes. What they replaced me with was not me. That was never me. Um, And then this is a kind of fun little poem that I've never read before. So I figured I should trot it out. It's called 1776. Into impossible zones, smoke scarves naturally, terrified itch bespoken by the stopgap, the stopgap's ear. It was another city there, buoyed towers hung down, not so low as you. Weddings each time of year, Easter deer at Red Grove, but before this, an utterance, the puckered radish of Tuscaloosa. Had a car drove many miles, some many miles, before it driving itself. Wild mechanical ducks, patched tent. Resting at Yarn Inn, the fence snakes a bit, wraps around melted mountains like a handshake ago. Questions of blue ox, meet me by it. Both irregular, the nocturnal shunt. neo they watch, themselves recently former, not past pixelated cone people. He stepped to the plate with mercurial finery and goose scents in the invariant inclement, however, stark lot items. A book opens. Morning. The story wrote. Who we were, where we were, about it. The end. Drifters drift, planetary in their passing. Weighted scales Volleys, middling barns, divestments, each fragmentary nation a nation, each bale, hoof, cusp, pin, enough. Herringed folks, mopping the block, while the rotation receives swerve, black receipts. Is this it? Would you like this to be? To prefer the dense stoicism of night's anti-terrestrial crank, a kind that doesn't exist. But okay. I want things concrete, things in a green box, lake in the window, smoking rubbish fire, you just tables and tables and plenty ruptured. No, the story of a white road, runoff. Do you mean by that you're hung up somewhere, in variance, the mute chalk clock handling passengers, and 1776, my sci-fi romance? We need orchestration, parking lots, new ones. No, astropain, astrolight, astrosleep, sleep. sleep. <coughs> um, so I just have two final poems, and this one is a short one called "Final Boss." Um, These are Bowser's breeding grounds, a lost and found in Hackensack, New Jersey. Save and Save As come out and tutor me in their gay minimalisms on the web. Penicillin sorbet calls from the refuse of a development plaza. Here where Buffalo Bill first had physical, where fascism for yuppies started support group and Atlantis went deep dish, doling catheters out for the carpool drive home. No cyanide grass grows, no medicinal aftertaste. But the final boss approaches. Spillway alligators sing freshman anthems. Sausage cufflinks, rotisserie carpets. My corpse, a pulse of Midland space, six-packed up and ready to go. Sorry, Gumby, for a silly death. Like Kelsey Grammer at Doubletree, I hammer amid clouds. The princess is scorched and scotched, tenderly radiated and missing in action. After the proper names left me, mostly nowhere felt right save the cancers and xenophobic hate of our father wrapped in saran wrap, while drugs poured in and ethnicity was bleached out Drano-style. What remained was a ghost tense, a world of colonial homes, opal grass, turtled mountains cleaned by Electrolux. The truth is I didn't mind so much, not knowing the delicate barking wasn't for me, that clams weren't historical wallets. I didn't mind what happened to anyone save for squid-white menace exploding in a billion pipes over 2-D chlorine seas. The taste and trace of you, my final boss. After a thousand years, I fell asleep. Thank you so much for being here and listening. I'm so excited for these two other readers. Um, The last poem I'm going to read is called George Washington, which is the title of the book. And there's actually two poems in the book called George Washington. Um, And... uh, Kenneth Koch style. Uh, This poem is about what was happening in my life when I wrote the first one. It's so good to be somewhere where you can say Kenneth Koch style and everyone's gonna be like, oh really? You did that again? George Washington. I don't remember exactly when I wrote George Washington. I'm sure it was in the spring of 2013, traveling Greyhound upstate to visit Joe and his newborn. The poem flowed haphazardly then, breaking down the page in random lines. After a few months' time, it slowly boiled over, the fat hissing into couplets. I lived on 7th Street between 1st and 2nd then. I remember wanting to write George Washington earlier. One inspiration the night Jeffrey and Simone and Ariana came over to my place while it rained more than it had the entire summer. Ariana said how she'd wanted to title a poem, quote, George Washington slept here. My unconscious must have filed that fitfully away, yet often I have no idea why poems or titles prompt themselves with certain irrepressible urgings years later. Perhaps I wrote the poem recalling the time when viral viral videos first became a thing. Washington, Washington, six foot eight, weighs a fucking ton, opponents beware, he's coming, he's coming, etc. I hated that video. YouTube launched somewhere in San Mateo, California, 2006, I can't be sure when. I see George Washington was uploaded January 2008, the year I moved back to Boston. I'd left in 2005. Still, I can't remember either period that well. My family's house burned down that February, the same one I resumed smoking after someone I'd been long distance dating again, decided to end things by seeing their on, off again, boyfriend once again, claiming they'd both live in Miami or Las Vegas. I can't remember which tacky city. I met him in Binghamton as well, like my friend Joe, who I was coming from when I wrote George Washington. When my book came out, Joe brought me up a few months later. There I'd meet another boy from Binghamton whom later I had convinced George Washington was written just for him, though I did edit in Long Island after meeting him. I see now I must have written it in April. The bus wasn't Greyhound. That so few of the particulars in my mind aren't interchangeable somehow proves poetry is memory. Have you read George Washington? It was published in poetry with two other poems. One written after my dad died, the other for some boy. Poetry is a kind of nullity, For a long time, I thought I'd call my next book George Washington, so I began reading a bio about him, pretty unknowable guy. I typed up applications with, quote, I actually did do this, forthcoming collection entitled George Washington, saying things like, quote, I see the spontaneous subject matter represented something internal and personal through the guise of an aloof father figure, the founding father, in fact. One reader has cued me to something more abstract, Americana, its symbols transformed through 21st century idioms from Whitman in the Mississippi to shopping malls and the inhuman quantum physics of the internet. Part of what I've been exploring is how estranging these ubiquitous half-forgotten tokens are today. End quote. I went months and years not speaking to the boys I've been referring to, but they, refer to some, they resurface sometimes. What's a poem like without a single metaphor in it? Out of this combination of aloneness and experience, I guess, the nervous creations I identify chiefly with. Are you willing to ride with me to the time I wrote George Washington? Speed ahead with the time last September I got things into shape. I mean the poem. Lines fell away. I wonder how long I'll live, how the rest will be like. I mean the rest of the poem. On Wikipedia, I look up stuff about photography. I learn that hyperfocal distance is the length beyond which objects turn sharp, lens focused at infinity. Grief and desire are just two of the key themes in George Washington, both bend upon unknowing, as when you learn more about George Washington, you see his teeth weren't wood but pulled from slaves. That sentiment betrays as soon as it brings anything into acceptable focus that doesn't bode too well for knowing either. Grief, knowing, desire, unknowing, and both midnight uprisals that I know only too well. I'm not sure now which was the elegy, which the love poem, but I'd still like my focus to be a type of distance, I suppose. Thank you so much.
1: So, our next guest introducer is Alan Felsenthal, who will introduce Todd Colby.
4: Thank you, Simone, for asking me to introduce Todd. Um, My name is Alan Felsenthal, I'm half of the Song Cave, Ben Estes is the other half, and we published Todd's most recent book. Sorry, getting over a cold. Like the underworld, Todd Colby has many layers. But unlike the underworld, Todd is affable and deferential and charming. My cousins might call him a mensch. I've decided to spend the end of Yom Kippur praising Todd. In the shadow world of Facebook, where its algorithms are stored, There's a statistic for the likelihood of one's friend requests being accepted. I've never asked Todd about this, but I have the feeling his approval rating is near 100%. His demeanor is not an act, but it might give you the wrong idea. There's actually a punk rock soul laughing beneath his niceties. This soul shines through in Todd's poems, in the strange and humorous landscape, that he creates out of traversing this grand city, New York, and in Splash State, Brooklyn. These poems want to give you what you want, however perverse your desires may be. They are love poems, as funny and sad as love is. Their effortless tone mimics lightness. It's like skating over the thinnest area of ice on a frozen pond while the sun shines slowly melting the surface beneath you. Part of the trick is that the ice never seems to break. Todd rambles consciously. He he writes as though he's talking to you, dear listener, giving his poems the impression of being casual. They are only casual in the sense that you get to leave them after the last line. But their constructions, seemingly effortless, are deliberate, steeped in thought and revision. I think Splash Tate took almost a decade to write. It's no secret that John Ashbery considers Todd to be one of the finest and funniest poets of his generation. It's an Ashbery's blurb on the book. But what you may not know is that when we, the Song Cave, published Splash Tape with this blurb, Ashbery sent another long blurb, post-publication, even more stunning than the first, after he had considered Todd's work further. Before or since, I'd never heard of someone doing this. What it tells me is that the longer you sit with Todd's poems, the more you see and feel through them. It's hard to believe that someone so nice can be such a good poet, but he, <laughs> is, but he is. And so I'm pleased to introduce him to you, Mr. Todd Colby. <laughs> Th-
5: thank you, Alan. That was, uh, that was beautiful. Thank you. Um, you Stacy and Simone Um, you know I I feel like every time I read here I feel like that 21 year old kid moving here from Iowa um, giddy and watching all the people that I so admired um, stand behind this mic so it's always an honor and a pleasure to be here thank you I always try to pretend like I don't need glasses but I do how do we know who people are you can ransack the coteries Bump and grind the protrusions, vent a lap with scissors, open the cantilevered blinds with a brash pull, pick the lock with spit and a bobby pin, circle the wagons and develop a new butter, clothe the nudes and mosquitoes, sing from the roof at the top of your lungs in a city that is drawn to your song, catch the water that drips off your body after a shower, and distill it in denatured alcohol so people can catch a whiff of you and by doing that, know themselves in the mirror of your smell. You can plop down, mint up, dole out, and take it on faith alone that the people you need to know about are alive on a dot in the universe with you. rest stop the sun just bounced off the back of that bus like a light show for a metal band i have a light dose of distraction from the status updates in the temple of likes the blossoms have been nipped off the hibiscus flowers there's a red thumbprint on your white t-shirt i'm darting around all the time now that the momentum of tasks has slowed to a murky expanse of morning into afternoon into dark by 4.30 PM. The silver radiator hisses in harmony with whatever is on the radio right now, something in C. People used to thumb a ride, wander in consternation, do battle with evil spirits, that sort of stuff. Subject of a song. There might be a way out, I conclude. My shirt is still damp because everything makes me nervous. The FedEx man and me are both at work, so there's that. On 10th Avenue, a Great Dane drips slobber on a little girl's arm. Rain falls or doesn't. The sun shines or makes a beeline to the exit, which is only a form of revolution. You can bank on change Loosen your boots and strain for release, but you'll always and only be a dumb chunk of woes, making plans you may not see through. To name a thing. I play germs in the store before anyone shows up. The air is so thick that when I pogo, it ripples like a pool of jello. A body does work gets rest, props itself up on the bed, walks by putting one foot in front of the other, stands around, mopes with hunched shoulders, feels too warm and then too cold. Generally, a body acts like a pain in the ass. Go to work to pay the rent so the body has somewhere to sleep and put all its stuff. When you break it down like that, why not sit by the river all day, with a bag of ginger biscuits. People will still love. A certain sense of civility matched the day perfectly. I was most funny when I wasn't trying to be. Sometimes I think I'm dying, and I am. 143 likes. Deep inside the sold-out day, people are trying to... (laughs) Deep inside the sold-out day, people are trying to find satisfaction. In many cases, I don't know anything. Meanwhile, a heat dome is the beginning of the end of something good. The air conditioner sounds like a vinyl version of metal machine music. Caving in is better than being above reproach. The darkest, saddest, hottest summer is halfway over. The sun dips behind the highline at a new angle. More coffee solves nothing. The corpse flower blooms once every nine years. Free sunlight, free water, free orange paint on the side of that monstrous building. Click-clack. We are too new to be blue, yet too amazed by technology to be indifferent. I don't want to be negative here, but you are leveraging your drinkables. Please, tell us of surety. Tell us of fidelity. This is your time. Protect your spine from the slap of electric paddles. Ride the bus somewhere robust and sticky. There are new things in the lake. Roll up a towel and put it under your head. Loop me in and I'll buckle down. You'll see. No one is looking at us, but everyone is wondering what we're going to do next. That yellow sash in the doorway signifies that someone is waiting for someone to come home. They offered to put a townie on the doorman to keep his smile out, but I declined. Humility introduces us to our faults and holds us up during a collapse. If you are one of the liquidators, then nothing is essential. Everything is set for the stooges. Pinpoint the flu with the survival of your chill vibe. Why can't you become a person who hoards the earth itself? At the front desk, they suggested putting a tracksuit under the door to keep the smooch out. <laughs> Bunting. Make a mess like you're a buck trapped in a tiny apartment. Get super groggy and blabber with sleepy joy. For ten seconds, you are in a beautiful city made of soft stuff. Light up the room with your glowing endorsement. Lift the laptop above your head and make a scary sound. Tell us what it's like to fall through the ice on a frozen river. Startle us from your best hiding place. Assume big baby status among smaller babies. Tell us about the collapse of the sugar punks. Whistle and make the dog all jazzed. Send sparkles into the air when you fluff the pillows. Lick lemon jelly from the tip of your finger. Serve treats to us and light up and lighter. My peeps. Everything is smudged from the blue friction of winter. Long ago, we decided to let the landlord keep time for us. We should remind ourselves to head south next year, where the pulse of the weather beats a warm thrum well into October. In the meantime, I'll shiver in salt-kissed boots. The white rings around the vamp are dedicated to that big-eyed, blank look people get when they get it on. Watch the film you paid to see. In my bedroom, my weight is three times more than what I'd weigh on Jupiter. In your kitchen, if your kitchen was on Mercury, I'd be heavier by half of you while sitting at your table. On Uranus, a quarter of my weight is meat or an awareness of myself as flesh. On Venus, the light would produce a real volume around me that would make me look happy in photographs. This is how it is with quantity in any life, It's a fact that on certain planets, I'd actually be able to mount the stairs four at a time. Think of the most beautiful horse in the world, a ridiculously beautiful horse with a shimmering coat. It would weigh no more than an empty handbag on Mars. (laughs) You need to get real about these things. National Poetry Day. Remember when you did that thing? I remember when you did that thing, and it was pretty amazing. Maybe there's something we can do, like empty a mayonnaise jar and fill it full of buttons. The leaves, the leaves are turning faintly gold, which reminds me that we're turning gold too as we disintegrate during wartime. I'll tell you what, or maybe I'll just keep it to myself. And hope you get my drift. (laughs) Post title. People are so awkward. They are banging into everything. Part of the reason the day plagues us is because ambulances make a lot of sound when they pick injured people up. I would like to embrace people who are determined to stick with it when things get weird with a crisis. Lucky people respond to fractals. I do not really want this great cover to ever end. Nor the tissue aspect of my body or the internet. July poem. I cannot get over what I cannot get done. All the little leaves make a big pile on the tiny curbs of 10th Avenue. Even the squirrels have a certain sass. Don't give me none of your sass, I say to no one but you. Still, the sun creeps over the radiant highline. My sweat tastes like a sports drink on your forearm. I know a thing or two about things like drawing lines. Not even sort of, but like 100% solo wit. In the quiet of a July afternoon in New York City, I think I see everyone enjoying the fairly pleasant weather while war rages on nearly everywhere. Disastrous consequences. If it's not too late, I would like to make big changes in nearly everyone by Wednesday. (laughs) I am heading to the fire tower. Do you understand what I'm saying? Human beings are awkward and they transmit a hard edge that makes it difficult to get things done around them. Slush, ice, rain, shit. A mother points at her son's boots and says, those are not completely rainproof boots. (laughs) And the son takes note of it and he remembers. Some people find relief when they listen to music that has a certain tone That appeals to their own tone. It's going to be all right because we are flesh at this juncture. Your agency knows how to release you. Joy Division did a wonderful cover of Sister Ray that peters out at the end. Lonesome Yard. There are nights and then there are more nights and nights after those nights and nights again and again. There are the nights between the nights and there is each night and all the nights and just those nights. Do not lean on the door because I have seen devils out there. Egg frittata with mushrooms, piave vecchio, spinach, and cranberry-walnut toast. How startling and ordinary the details are in the city of my life. I could kiss your hip bone while navigating the concavity of your lonesome yard. Brooklyn. The trees in Brooklyn are the same color as cooked hamburger. I know the song of the Cardinal, and it goes a little something like this. Pangs twist a belly until it dawns. Eat. The light in early December hurts my eyes, and yours? A chilled apple, a lit candle, and early blues. The smell of wormwood somewhere is making me think of Long Island City. What a person does on a Saturday is purposely radiant and productive. If a stroll under the Manhattan Bridge brings solace, go there. If a hat provides joy, they are sold all over the place. (laughs) Friday. You point up the same way molten aluminum points down when poured into an ant colony to prove a point about the complex tunnels they make. There are eggs and toast on display in the window of the diner, but they are not real. Orange juice is artificially colored because it's okay to do that. Fact, everyone is 20% more together than me today. A few cars hiss by. A woman puts the garbage out. The top of that new building in downtown Brooklyn changes from red to blue to green and back again. The satellite dish on the roof across the street receives signals from the sky. The coffee has been sipped and the news has been read. The night is tangled in light. The forecast calls for more than rain. Understanding. I'd like to understand more about this century, like basically, how does everybody do it? Alone, but not bereft. I wash my clothes and put them in tight stacks. It's simple. We use chairs to provide relief from standing. We know that it is always morning somewhere. We all feel better in the water when someone is singing to us. The Visit. When we arrived at the lake, it was broiling in the car. The house was brown and chalky. Next to it, a tiny dead mouse lay on its side. A fallow onion field provided a quick glimpse into the void of summer. We felt a spasm of grief as we soothed ourselves with a thermos of cold mint tea. Once the luggage was propped next to the car, we walked into the house, which quivered in the heat. Now and then, a blue jay or an airplane made us look up at a sky so blue, it looked like it had been vandalized. Had we been scotch drinkers, we would have sat on the porch in the faded yellow butterfly chairs and drank scotch from plastic cups. Instead, we decided to christen the house with a good round of fucking, which we did vigorously, Heritage of a star. Explaining the concept of two for one to your friends is one way to ward off nostalgia in a dark time. And another thing, someone is the champion. Someone is always the champion. Otherwise, things collapse without the champion parading around while fans of the champion turn things over start things on fire, and get carried away by their champion status. Head home. Let the powers that be know this is my life, so they should be happy with it. Light a candle while listening to can. All hail those who can make this muck shine. My room has gone wobbly. My palm is pressed firmly on the bed. This is called non-participation from what I gather. You have permission to feel like a zombie when I don't sleep. My skull feels like a mushy quad. I'm making attempts to flatten my head out in order to become artless and beveled. When that pill hits, I'm gonna feel like a million bucks. I just don't trust the air much anymore because it carries things that are not its own. There are so many thrills. I knew I would act a certain way with a deadbolt. Copper wire is jutting from my ankle and jaw. Um, And this is my last poem. It's a real honor to read with Adam and Vincent. It's, uh, I I respect them greatly. I consider them friends and uh, I love their work. And yeah, so brilliant juice. It is the people who remember, but when the people are gone, we won't have anyone to remember. People go to a lot of trouble to make things memorable. I would like to make things enjoyable by watching everyone and wondering what is going on. Today I am as full of this day as the air in this apartment is full of particulate matter that sparkles off the highway. A sliver of the moon is still visible at midday. Reading the news is unbearable, but necessary. All exits are final. And all that. Thank you.
1: The very excellent Leanne Brown is going to introduce Vincent Katz this evening.
6: Hello. Welcome to the third in the amazing tonight's wildly accomplished triumvirate triple header. Um, I'm excited to introduce longtime member of the Poetry Project community, um, also incredibly active New York City um, provocateur and internationally acclaimed um, curator, editor, and so many other things. Polymathic, um, what I call the Cocteau effect as a poet. Being a publisher, a translator, an editor, a curator um, of the great Dia, Stellar Stella, Stella Dia Foundation series, and a great introducer himself of poets. It's very intimidating to try to introduce Vincent Cass. But um, what we're here tonight for, of course, is his poetry. And um, that is going to be a great pleasure to hear. I've got to spend a little time with his gorgeous new books on the back table. There's two of them, one in t- 2015 and one in 2016. Um, The Lunar Chandelier Press book, um, Southness, is there and um, explores a short line. Um, They seem uh, to have a heightened sense and a palette of sound that's very chiseled and adamantine, sort of light and solid at the same time is the feeling I get from them. The possibilities set in motion when two words are put together. They're almost softly lit from within, such as kid, kid. Finish is the name of one of the poems. Um, is it a poem with the feel of a kid glove? Or is it a kid racing toward a finishing line? Or is it um, two words that are simply linked with this short I sound? Kid finish. It's all those things. So um, as you listen to his work um, unfold in the space, just to you know have your ear open in this beautiful quiet room to hear this work unfold. And um, in his... Uh, his book, Swimming Home, from Night Boat Books, 2015, he'll also be reading from, I feel like, That has a similar visual uh, sense, but they seem more like home movies um, unfurling, whereas um, Southness, to me, feels more like a photograph. Um, that's just my, in my first reading of it, and I'm sure I'll have a different relationship to the work after I hear him read it tonight. Um, and I look forward to um, hearing, I hope he reads Things like goodbye, Maggie Chung climbs a fire escape in the rain, but is it real rain? And will you know when your style and and will you know when your style is but a bandaged stab at history's layered larks? And whether real or not, a system of forks, the family convening for dinner. I feel like we're a family convening for the dinner of listening to Vincent's gorgeous work. And um So at the heart of all this practice, all this polymathic practice, is his poetry. Like I said, I'm so grateful to be here together with you to welcome Vincent to this quiet space opening now to hear his work. Please help me welcome Vincent Katz.
7: (laughs) Thank you, Leanne. Thank you, Poetry Project. I feel like this is a great opportunity just to be here um, and to feel what's gone on in this room and in the church. I mean, even just this year so far, the what the offerings and the poetry that I've heard have been really astounding. So it's, it, it is really um, a privilege to be able to read here. Um, so thank you, Stacy, thank you, Simone, and thank you to Todd and to Adam, wherever he may be, lurking in the back now, back row, I guess. Um, Yeah. yeah. So I thought I'd uh, go back in time a little bit and watch the clock too. Hopefully I don't put the one that has an alarm on. I did that once at a reading, it was pretty embarrassing. But um, stopwatch should be cool, right, they say. So I thought I'd start, this is a book that was published in 2000, the year 2000, which I'm realizing is almost 20 years ago, that's kind of bizarre, Um, by Hard Press. The book's called Understanding Objects, and I wanted to start out by honoring um, someone who was a denizen of these streets and a strong presence here, and an inspiration in poetry and film and many other modes of human existence, who is Rene Ricard. Um, And it starts out with an epigraph that's actually from Teddy Roosevelt. You can, if you go to the Museum of Natural History, you can see these words written on the wall there. And the poem is called La Traviata, and this is the epigraph. I want to see you game, boys. I want to see you brave and manly. I also want to see you gentle and tender. We love you, Renee. Or at least I do. I love you. Your tattered limbs stare at us, arch the city's long-forgotten stance. Each word shifts each, and already it's time to get off. Houston Street. People can't stand joy. It wrecks their day. I stand on the corner of 5th and 11th. Renee is nearby, ensconced in a comfortable conversation. A woman is giving money to a mendicant. She asks him how his leg is doing. It's Elaine Equi. We talk in front of noble iron churchyard gating. I saw a man deftly roll a gas tank, Chinese woman working a laundry, and in Brooklyn Museum returned to stairway window to observe brightest orange sliver over trees, dimming now, winter's presence as I ascend to contemporary. I had a dream with Renee in it, then the mind goes blank, day's occurrences, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. You're in a vice between what happened and what will. The new painting, the museum, the new space, tomorrow's opera. René believes in eternity, he told me so. I don't, and now I'm told he's moved to the arts club. The conversation the two coffee servers are having at the temple of Dendur, there was something on it in the Times today. Where did you meet her, in a bar? Is suddenly much more interesting than the overblown exhibition you have come to see. Fashion displacing art, sound system and projections defiling temple silence. The exhibition, in fact, is the parade of film crews, while objects on display are mere documentation. I take pleasure in the suffering of these fools with their Betacam SPs, lights, extension cords, portable audio. They are working so hard. Don't they know that art should appear effortless? And now I will switch to the book Swimming Home. I'm just going to read a section from the final poem. It's called Sidewalk Poem. The street curves down then up as it nears the river. Steps ascend into heaven. Patterned repetition as of temple, etched floral corner, flattened, capital metallic frieze catches sun. Next, arches Romanesque deco entryways unchanged. People, new generations, new hair, edits, come from all parts of globe. No one look, no American, no city, but is city, with bodies, crimes, havens, old yet ever new eternal voice and inward word. They come to pay homage in evening, not cold, season set to city, appropriate pitch, hue, timbre as quiet in movement, voice, one looks over avenue, perch at one with sidewalk and asphalt, lights on in offices, many yet quiet here in middle, calm, long ago settles, walks, grass, bush, but nature is humanity. Walk of purpose at this hour. Poetry's forgotten attitude. Now the right time, almost palpable. Can't control time, but am able to add to it. Have the possibility here. One who reckoned against it, lost. One who reckoned for it, found. Ides of October. Alcohol feels good, flooding bloodstream. Allowing space in restaurant, tables of inlaid design. Eternal bottles line up, face you. Blinds open on plate glass to street. Activity continues to flow out, as in here. People at bar or tables in conversation, passing time in clink of music and plates. Buildings line up in light. A new day, cold finally, allows fresh perspective. Here, where people, fewer in number, walk. Children skip to warm. If this can all be done with love, heart, then day will have a shape. Here, writing there, walking. Could be a time for poetry, but outside, not in. Not on the inside looking out, but rather on the outside. On the outside looking, sensing the air, rain, drops, sidewalk, damp cover, delicate reflection in puddles, crimson, magenta, yellow, white, peppermint, not to go back but present, no we, just everyone at the moment in the reign of this city. Um, So next I'd like to read something new. It's it's actually a translation I've been working on for the last few years. I'm kind of fascinated by mythology and I've never been able to get it straight because I feel like it's actually designed so that you can't get it straight. And there's, you know, so many different variations of everything. So, but in any event, um, I got, um, I'm fascinated by the poet Hesiod and his poem about the gods called the Theogony. So I've been trying to translate it and here's just the beginning of it. The first 30 lines or so. Let us begin to sing of the Heliconian muses who possess the vast numinous mount of Helicon and who near the violet spring with tender feet dance upon the altar of the almighty son of Kronos and having bathed their soft flesh in Permessus or the horse's spring or holy Olmeos on highest Helicon made their beautiful, desire-provoking dances. There they flowed, dancing. Starting from that spot, shrouded in much air, by night they were marching, emitting a most stunning sound, hymning Aegis-bearing Zeus and Regal Hera, the Argive who steps in golden sandals. And the daughter of Aegis-bearing Zeus, gleaming-eyed Athena and Phoebus Apollo, and Artemis who delights in arrows, and earth-surrounding, earth-shaking Poseidon, and revered Themis, and Aphrodite of the flashing eyes, and golden-crowned Hebe, and beautiful Dione, and Leto, and Iapetos, and crooked planning Kronos, and Eos, and great Helios, and brilliant Selene, and earth, and great ocean, and black night, and the holy race of the other deathless Eternals. The muses, then, who taught Hesiod this beautiful song, feed the lambs below holy Helicon. And the goddesses first spoke this word to me, the Olympian muses, daughters of Aegis-bearing Zeus. Rustic shepherds, base reproaches on you, bellies only. We know how to utter many falsehoods, as if true. And we know how to speak the truth when we want. Thus spoke the quick-tongued daughters of great Zeus. And they gave me the scepter, a branch of leafy laurel, having broken it off, a wonder. And they breathed into me a prophetic voice, so I could tell of things to come and things that came before. And they were urging me to hymn the race of blessed eternals, and to sing of them always, first and last of all. But what are such things to me by oak or crag? And uh, so now I'll turn to Southness and read some poems from this, from my most recent book, which just came out, in fact. And here it goes. First one's dedicated to my good friend, John Godfrey, and it's called Lothian. A great rush to confront solidity, events planned coexist in space, drawings grace, a way of breathing properly, not too furiously injected to others' arguments. But landscapes imagining unreal presence behind tension Desire eventually, if noticed, paths through epical hills. Sheep where soul cries out as elsewhere stones of cathedrals. Universities on rocky coasts subside. Long histories do not face echoes in geometric window glass. Then return to cities of races, mixed places one moves to interpret. Change in weather, rhythm—a constant hum of living, one knows tempo of—is never short. Quadro tonto. I'd like to be a better person. I know that in their eyes I'm fine, that everything has been left in order, but in my own, I fail at intervals. I'm not enough there for people. I evanesce, or my own desires paramount. But I also know it is within my power to be a better person. I need only look into their eyes instead of longingly down street lights of the limb strewn boulevard. Late find grasses snake near door, ochre stem. Dance, head, arms out, cold. Highway air, nest, treasons flit. Two deer face poetry, barren, extend, shy. Logged, slat, hindrance, prime on periphery, late in path, gray swelling, deers, insides out, extracted. Clearing. Metropolitan hour melody, distances clear to eye, sunlit prerogatives building plain air between circular route, down one avenue, up another, stand in street, vendors stalled, jaleba zone between point, monument, governor's seat, blessed toy monopoly, gilded hour faces, lightness, drums. Breads and sweets, bridling with unseen energy listen to moans falsifications even friends haircut architecture slide downhill where everything meshes better than others i lift my eyes to sink vocal push into physical size body contacted jealous of her producers interviewers who miss her point completely sorry but the songs ascend ignorance Shyly flirting segments, imagination, flaunted intelligence, they leave her undented in mourning. Actually, it is I who misunderstand from my non-perspective. Cascades of words, piano, and voice are the weapons of armies bolted to past thoughts and present perceptions. Refrain the delicate intensity forked, spread up the photograph's frankness. I want to use her name, but not yet. The sky has descended, earlier, we crossed the aqueduct. I live only in my life now. The words come to me from the Latin and they have been preserved. I start to write the unexpected streams forth. Didn't know I was thinking, was I? In galleries, streets, passing people borne down by disharmony. They want that watch and thatch, but greed hovers. Oh no, here comes the satellite, descending, descending heedless of desire, trees grander and shady boulevards, the song's pure chant hits, evens promised longing till self reemerges, washed and inimitable, once again able to attend, I had hoped for so much, expectation of necessity, I am outside now, September's clear voice, indication that shutters will fall and open dryly. Sun. Now I am calm. No music can ascend. Glass wash in wisdom, a line jarry blend. Men in uniform bend, honor pledges fall. Creases wrinkle smiles, ordained suits pardon woe betide that nearby one twinkles with a leering gun suppository blanks inside a mind breakfast for the hanging sun Psalm 1 I don't regret Anything tonight. The rain purifies my soul. Two. Today is a fresh day. I have no sins. Three. What could you have asked? An answer quick as love. Kid finish. Something harsh, metallic about it something round and full, winter day. Still color in sky, palest purple, through which planes pass, clouds align, snow collected in spots become ice, wind blast bumps window, siren barely audible, lights of lives and music. I'll read two more. This one's called Price. I paid a price, but did not learn the lesson. Time's elastic, not measured in hours or years. It does not matter when or where I wrote this. I've been keeping track of things that do not matter. I could not get the point Is there still a chance? To add to pretty chatter would be a harsh reward. And now I'd like to invite my son Oliver up here to the podium, step up to the podium. And Oliver's gonna help me read this final poem. I like to, I always like to read this with somebody. I usually pick somebody out of the audience and he happened to He's sitting in the front row, so he got stuck with it. And here we go, so you got it down, right? One. Wait, 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 we gotta say the title first. Okay, you say the title. Francis Bacon. Say it louder. Francis Bacon. Okay, just say your parts loud, speak up, let's go. One, animal. An ache of blue in the clouds. Two, zone. The tension of bodies. Three, apprehension. A little man down the road. 4. Crucifixion. A drink or two at the pub. 5. Crisis. If violence be the rule, I be the exception. 6. Archive. Photocopy is the only reality. 7. Portrait. You look only as you look. 8. Memorial. All that is left is sadness. 9. Epic. All that is sadness and exultation. 10 late. I wish I lived here, but I do live here. Thank you so much. tonight.
0: The Poetry Project has promoted, fostered, and inspired the reading and writing of contemporary poetry since 1966. Consider supporting us by checking out a reading, becoming a member, or donating at poetryproject.org.